John 4, 25 says, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Well, thank you, Misty. If you are good, say I'm good. It's good to be with you today. And what Misty just read was the uh, ending part of the interaction that Jesus had with a woman at the well. And she read in verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town. And so the question that I have for you today that we'll answer before the end of this message is, but are you willing to leave your water jar? Are you willing to leave your water jar? You know, uh, a lesson that I've been relearning in life, because we just relearn lessons in life, right, is that my response to anything determines everything. My response to anything determines everything. And so my response to my wife when she's talking to me, my response to my kids when they want my attention, my, my response to my job when it gets hard, to challenges, my response to good things, to, to great things that happen to me, my response is always critical. There's a, there a famous quote that says, when you can't control what is happening, then control the way that you respond to what's happening. That is where your power is. And everything that, that happens to me provides an opportunity for me to respond. And you know, a, a simple response can change the trajectory of my life. A response can change an outcome, can change a relationship, it can change a conversation. I don't know about you guys, but the only difference between a conversation with my wife and an argument is how we choose to respond to one another, true? And every single day I wake up, I get the decision to make whether I'm going to respond to life the way that Jesus would respond. I think Toby said a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, God is much more interested in how you are responding to the events of life more than the events itself. Uh, I think that we spend, my personal opinion is I think we spend too much time in Christian circles arguing over viewpoints and opinions and events, whether something is from God or not from God and not enough time focusing on our response to what is happening. And I just think that, that, that our, our work in our ministry would be much more effective if everybody could always look at the local church and say, they always respond with the love of Christ. If, if the community of Argyle could always look at Cross Timbers Church and say, Cross Timbers always responds with the love of Jesus. And so today I wanna talk about our response, but specifically I wanna talk about our response to the gospel, which the gospel just means good news. It's the good news of Jesus, that he was here, that he died, that he resurrected. What is our daily response 
to the gospel. Every single day you wake up and you gotta decide how am I going to respond to the good news of Jesus. And so let's back up a little bit and talk about that good news. I personally like the um, summary that you find in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, four through 10. And it starts off saying this, but because of his great love for us, and we stop right there and we recognize that everything we're about to read is because of his great love. It is because of his great love that you are here today. It's because of his great love that you are breathing. It is because of his great love that you are alive. There is nothing we do or say or act upon that is good and holy that is not because of his great love. It is all because of his great love for you. It goes on and says, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And so if you have, you're taking notes or you're reading along on your phone, just underline or highlight, it is by grace that you have been saved. It's by grace alone. Because of his great love, by grace alone, you have been saved. So even in your sin and in your darkness and your brokenness and in your addiction, when you feel so far gone, it is by grace because of his great love that God picks you up and places you into the light where you can receive his spirit from heaven in this abundant life that we talk about here on earth. And he says it again in verse eight, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith so that nobody can boast. And I love that he says it again because it's like, let me get this through our thick skulls, right? That it's, it's simply by grace. That there's nothing you can or can't do. You haven't been good enough. You haven't been bad enough to change what God has already done. It is only by grace because of his great love. It is through grace, because of his great love that he prepares a table for you in the middle of the enemies that he anoints your head with oil that surely his goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord as the psalmist said in Psalm 23. By the way, I, I, I don't know about you, but like that sounds really great for me, right? Like I love hearing that for me but I have to remind myself that this is for everybody else too. <laughs> so even the person that I dislike the most, the person I disagree with the most, the person that I view life differently the most, like they get the same deal that I get. It is by grace they have been saved. It's good news for everyone. If it's not good news for everyone, it's not good news for anybody. The two weeks ago, I was talking on the, the one lesson I want my kids uh, to know, and it was that Christ is in you. Christ is in you. And the second lesson that I would teach them, if I was doing a follow-up message of that, it would be that Christ is in them. That Christ is in you, 
but also Christ is in them. And so we treat everybody with dignity and respect and love and kindness and show the same grace and mercy to other people that God has given us. And so this is the gospel. This is the good news that we have been saved by grace because of his great love for us. And so the question is, how do we respond to that daily? Every morning I wake up and I gotta decide what is my response to such good news. And Paul gives some great advice here in Ephesians 4. He says this, when you heard about Christ, which we just did, and were taught in him accordance with the truth that we just talked about, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and be made new. Everybody say made new, which is a title for this series. In the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holy. And so Paul is suggesting that the best way to respond daily to the gospel is by every single day waking up and choosing to be made new, to put on our new self. Well, what does our new self look like? It looks like Jesus. That just as you put on your your, uh, shoes and your socks and your pants and your underwear, not in that order, if you wanna put it, whatever, you do you. Just as you put on your clothes daily, put on Jesus. You put on Jesus. You put on Jesus and you walk around a little bit and you get comfortable with it and you put on his love and you put on his grace and you put on his forgiveness and you put on his mercy. You put it on. Ephesians 5.1, the very next uh, chapter, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love. And so you put it on. That's the response to the gospel daily. We wake up and go, I'm gonna put my Jesus on today. I'm putting my Jesus on today. And I can catch myself throughout the day. Go, I, didn't, I didn't put on forgiveness today. I need to go back. I need to put on my forgiveness. I need to put on my gratitude I need to put on my, my kindness today. I was at a child's birthday party a few weeks ago, and they, it was a bunch of three and four-year-olds, and they, they rented a T-Rex, like a, like a mechanical T-Rex that this guy got into, and so then they play like tag with the T-Rex, and he'd chase them around, around the yard, and it was, it, the kids were terrified. It was awesome. <laughs> and he'd chase them around, and they'd fall, and he'd grab them and drag them off into the woods, and it was hilarious for the adults. <laughs> and he'd walk around in this T-Rex outfit. He'd put it on, and he's walking around with it. He became one with it. You know, it's like, be a Christosaurus this week, you know? Put, put on, put on the Jesus. Walk around with Jesus. And so this is the best possible way to respond to the gospel is by living as if it were true. To be made new daily. So there's this story in John 4 about a woman at the well that I find encouraging and challenging. 
And this woman is struggling to let go of her old self and step into her new self. And so I want to dive into the story and read a little bit about it. It says in verse four, now Jesus, he had to go through Samaria, which by the way, he didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, most times uh, during this, this time in the first century, the Jews would walk around Samaria to get to where they were going because they didn't like the Samaritans very much. Uh, hundreds of years before some of the Jews got wrapped up with the Babylonians and their descendants were the Samaritans. And so the Jews saw them as unclean and, and not pure. And so they didn't want anything to do with the Samaritans. So they would walk around Samaria, but Jesus, he had a spiritual appointment with this woman at the well and he needed to go see her. And I think the application from just that one little sentence is that Jesus always meets you where you're at and he will come to you when nobody else will. And so it says that he had to go through Samaria. Verse five, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot ground of Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey set down by the well. And it was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So Jesus is at the well because he's tired. He's sitting at Jacob's well. And here comes the Samaritan woman with her water jar. And he strikes up a conversation with this woman, which when he started talking to her, he broke all kind of uh, gender and racial and religious barriers when he started talking to her. That's why the disciples were so shocked that he was having a conversation with her. But Jesus was there when God created man and woman in his own image. He didn't care about the barriers that man had placed. He was there to have an appointment with the woman. So this woman comes with her water jar to get water from the well. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy some food and the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everybody say living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, but she does. She's got her water jar. She's there to get some water from the well. But Jesus didn't have anything to draw the water with. And she said, the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so I imagine that the whole time that Jesus is having this conversation with this woman, she is holding on to her water jar. She is clinging to her water jar tightly, securely, and fiercely. And Jesus explains to her, I am the living water. Are you thirsty for security? Are you thirsty for confidence? Are you thirsty for a new identity and a new beginning? Then I am the answer to that. What are you thirsty for today? Are you thirsty for love 
and forgiveness? Are you thirsty for someone to look you in the eyes and say your life does have a purpose, it has meaning, it has significance? Then Jesus is the answer to that. He is the living water. It's the most important thing that I can say all day today, that nothing will quench your thirst like Jesus will quench your thirst. Nothing will give you life like Jesus will give you life. And so she's listening to him as she's holding on to her water jar, listening to him tell her, I am the living water. And I imagine the whole time she's just holding it like this, just hanging on. Why is she holding on to her water jar because her water jar was safe. Her water jar is what she knew. Her water jar and the well that she drew water from is what she was familiar with. She knew what she was going to get out of this well. She knew what she was going to get out of this water jar. Let me put it this way. As long as she was holding on to her water jar, she felt like she had control. She could decide where she wanted to get her water from. If she wanted to get the living water from Jesus or if she wanted to go back to the well that she was oh so familiar with. See, I think that we all have water jars in our life. I think we all have something in our life that we hang on to tightly, securely, that gives us the illusion of being in control. As long as you hang on to that resentment, you get to decide. As long as you hang on to your fear and isolation, your future, your finances, your children, as long as you hang on to that, then you are in control and you get to decide. You feel like you have control, but the truth is you never had control. You just had anxiety and the only thing holding on, the only thing holding on to your water jar does is doesn't free your hands up to fully surrender to God. What is your water jar? What is the one thing you're hanging on to that's hard to release to the Lord so that you can experience spiritual freedom? What is your water jar? She holds on tightly to it. So then she says something kind of funny. She says, show me the water first. First, show me the living water. And then, then I'll let go of my, my water jar. I'll let go of what I know, what I'm, what I'm familiar with. Show me the water. Because a lot of times we want God to show us his faithfulness before we set down our water jar. But it doesn't work that way. Jesus doesn't show her the living water yet because she's still hanging on to her water jar. You leave the water jar first, then you experience the living water. You surrender first, then you experience the freedom. You humble yourself, then he exalts you. You trust in him, then you experience his peace. You leave the water jar. She says, show me the water. And he says, not yet. You're still hanging on to your water jar. You're still hanging on to control. So then he goes on and he says to her, go call your husband and come back and she says, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right. When you say that you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man that you are with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see 
that you are a prophet. I imagine that when Jesus started calling out uh, her dirt, that she started clinging to her water jar a little bit more tightly. As if she was saying, this isn't going the way that I thought it was gonna go. This isn't feeling very good for me. This isn't what I planned. So I'm just gonna take my water jar and I'm gonna go back to the well that I'm familiar with. Does it leave me thirsty every time? Absolutely. But at least I know what I'm gonna get out of this water jar. I don't even know what I'm gonna get out of Jesus yet. And so she's hanging on tightly to her water jar, backing up, thinking, I don't know if this is what I wanna sign up for. This feels dangerous. This feels unfamiliar. But I think it's important for you to understand that Jesus did not call her out on her past because he was condemning her. He was calling her out to let her know she is fully known and fully loved. Jesus was saying, listen, I know everything about you. I know all of your wrongs, all of your mistakes, all of your failures, and the living water is still for you. I'm still giving you the same offer. By grace, you have been saved because of my great love, no matter what you have done. Then we get to John 4, 25 through 28. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? Then, verse 28, leaving her water jar, she went into town and spread the good news of the gospel. See, I believe that the moment of transformation for this woman was not hearing about the Messiah, not knowing that he had the living water, not understanding why he had come. It was when she decided to leave her water jar because only then was she free enough to fully surrender to the living water. My hands are free now. My hands are free. I can fully embrace the abundant life that God has for me. Why? Because I left my water jar. What is your response to the gospel? I know you know about Jesus. I know you understand him. I know you believe in him. I know you know why you're here. I know you come to church every Sunday. I know you pray. I know you read your Bible, but are you willing to leave your water jar? Are you willing to fully surrender every aspect of your life? to God. I like um, 1 Peter 5.11 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares 
for you. I think ultimately what God is asking is do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to leave your water jar behind and allow him to fill you up and allow him to be your wellspring and allow him to be your living water? So this morning, I just wanna practice leaving our water jars. I don't know what it is for you. On any given day, it may be something different for me. But every single day, I have to wake up and decide whether I'm going to trust in God or not. So we want practice. I want to ask that you stand up with me. I want to ask our prayer team to come up front. We'll do a couple different things, okay? If you need prayer this morning, you wanna pray with somebody about just, just releasing control to God, just surrendering to God. Our prayer team is up here on the sides. They'd, be, they'd love to pray with you this morning. But I also wanna do something else that just might seem a little bit uncomfortable for you, and that's okay. And you don't have to participate if you don't want to. But I think there's something powerful about laying our water jar down symbolically. And so if there's something in your life that you feel like you need to release to God, that you need to give over to God, your finances, your kids, your future, your job, whatever it is, your marriage, that you just need to give over to God, that I wanna invite you up here to the front. Just to spend, just between you and the Lord, Just come up here to the front, get on your knees if you want to, and just pray that you would have the power and the courage to release it to God this week. Listen, nobody's looking at you. Nobody's watching you, nobody's judging you. This is between you and the Lord. I think there's just something impactful about symbolically releasing that to him. So I wanna invite you, just come up here to the front. We're gonna sing a worship song. We're gonna worship together. I just want you to do that. Let's do it together.